Good morning, church. Today's reading is from John 10, verses 11 through 19. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning. Listen, I don't know about you, but that extra hour does all the better, right? which we are missing it this morning. <laughs> Man, nap time. Church naps on, after church naps on Sunday are Holy Spirit, divine, amen? And I pray that you get one this afternoon. Uh, but friends, welcome uh, to worship this morning, and uh, we are in the midst of the season of Lent. And the season of Lent is a time that we return to God with all that we are and all that we have, commit and recommit ourselves to what God is calling us to do, to follow Him, to be His disciples. And as we are in this season of Lent, we are following along through the I Am statements of Jesus throughout the Gospel of John. In the, all of the Gospels, there is question about who Jesus is. Is he a, the Son of God, the Son of Man? Well, guess what? He's both. And in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is question around his identity. Who is he and what has he come to do? And only in John's Gospel do we find Jesus answering this for himself. Two weeks ago, we began this sermon series and we looked at the statement from Jesus, I am the light of the world and focusing on his divine nature. And last week, Pastor Emily lifted up Jesus's statement, I am the bread of life, looking at Jesus from a human perspective. Jesus is both human and divine. This morning, we look at Jesus's statement from the gospel of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. Let's pray together. Holy and living God, we give you thanks that you meet us where we are at. You call us, you beckon us, you invite us. You breathe into us the breath of life. You wake us up from our slumber and may we be alert and attentive to the voice that is calling and beckoning us. As we listen more intently, may we know that your voice is always calling us, beckoning us to follow God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And together, all of God's people said, amen. Well, growing up on Sunday afternoons, obviously, I just shared with you, nap times on Sunday afternoons are divine. Amen. But growing up on Sunday afternoons, there would always be one of two things on the television as we fell asleep. And it was either sports, so football, basketball, golf, or bowling for my dad. But uh, I didn't know bowling. Anyways, we're not going there. Um, but nonetheless, it was either sports or old Western movies. 
You can call us rednecks or blue-collar people or farmers, but whatever you want to call us, that's what we would watch on the Sunday afternoons. We tried to keep the Sabbath, right, by resting and keeping it holy. But those Western movies are anything but holy sometimes. Grits and gun and guns and fighting, you name it. There was one movie that I have since tried to block out of my memory because we have seen it so many times. And I'm sorry if you like Westerns. There is a special place in my heart for them. But not this movie. 1958, way before my time, it was called The Sheep Man. Have you seen it before? There was only, okay, there was one person, so we're going one for one. Uh, 1958, it was a Glenn Ford movie, and uh, thanks to the local cable station, I was able to see this at least once a month. Again, trying to block it out of my memory of this cinematic masterpiece. It was about Glenn Ford, who played a shepherd, a man who won a flock of sheep in a poker game, and then he proceeded to take the flock of sheep into Powder Valley, which was in the middle of cattle country. And as people began to find out that there were sheep in Powder Valley and that there was a shepherd in Powder Valley, they started to pick fights with him. Guns and grit, like I told you, all with this newly identified shepherd. All because he brought sheep into cattle country. You don't do that. This movie was anything but holy on a Sunday afternoon. The main character, Glenn Ford, ends up at the end of the movie. It's been 70 plus years, so I'm going to ruin it for you. (laughs) Glenn Ford ends up selling all of his sheep to buy, guess what, cattle. That's an oxymoron, if you ask me. He explains that he only kept the sheep because he doesn't like being pushed around by anybody. And then... They ride off into the sunset. Movie is over. No matter which Western you watched on Sunday afternoon television, there was always some kind of hostility toward the sheep and the sheep herders, especially from the cattle ranchers. The cattle ranchers hated sheep and their herders with a passion. The the cattle ranchers had believed that the sheep were dumb because they don't act like cattle. Well, duh. To herd cattle, you whoop and holler and you crack whips from behind making noise. However, if you try to do that to a sheep, they will end up circling around you. You can't drive sheep like you do cattle. You have to lead them. Sheep will not go anywhere unless there is someone out in front of them making sure that everything is okay. Sheep are not dumb. In all reality, they are quite intelligent. They have complicated brain structures. Did you know that sheep are able to cure their own ailments by eating grass or by eating weeds? If if they know what is going on in their bodies, they're able to detect and eat those specific blades of grass or those weeds just so that they could be curing of themselves. Sheep are able to recognize human faces. They're able to recognize up to 50 faces of other sheep for up to two years. They create strong bonds with each other. And they have the ability to distinguish between different emotional experiences. So that is why they create close bonds with each other. But 
Sheep are also one of the most destructive animals when left, left up to their own vices. They eat the blades of grass and weeds all the way down to the dirt. That's why cattle herders hate sheep. Sheep are only worried about themselves and they make bad decisions. It's not simply because they don't know. It's simply because they don't know any better. It's not that they make bad decisions because they want to, but they need a shepherd to lead them and guide them and stand with them and defend them and protect them and provide for them. Jesus, in this statement from John chapter 10, calls us the sheep as his followers, as his disciples. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and they know me. Do you like being called a sheep? Listen, I want to be a sheep of the good shepherd. Amen. But do you like being called a sheep? Nah. Seems a little derogatory, right? A little damaging to our egos. We don't like being called sheep. But this statement is meant to give us a jolt to our senses. All the time in John's gospel, in the preceding verses up to chapter 10, Jesus has been uh, followed by the Pharisees. They have been trying to trap him for blasphemy and heresy. He, he shares about what his identity is, who he is, and what he has come to do. And at every turn, the Pharisees are there. And Jesus is trying to illuminate their blindness. And Jesus says in John 9, 39 through 40, I came into this world for judgment. So that those who may see may not be able to see. And those who are not able to see are able to see. The Pharisees heard this and they say, surely, Jesus, surely we are not the ones that are blind. We are not the ones that you are talking about, are we? And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now you say we see your sin remains. It's the blindness of the Pharisees not being able to see what is right in front of them. And Jesus focuses on another sense as well. It's their hearing. It's their lack of ability to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. If you haven't already, open up your Bibles to John chapter 10. And we'll start with verse 11. And it says, I am the Good Shepherd. Amen? What does it say? I am the... For folks hearing this in the first century, they thought it was quite oxymoronic for Jesus to say this. Maybe even a little offensive. In Jesus' day, shepherds were anything but good in regards to the social standings of that day. They lived as nomads, as bedwinds. They lived on other people's land. They let their sheep graze on other people's land. Shepherds and living as a shepherd was anything but picturesque, risky, dangerous, even tedious as an occupation. Shepherds were rough around the edges, spending time in fields rather than in society. And for Jesus to associate himself as a shepherd is pretty astounding, but it fits within his scope of ministry, right? You know, the whole eating with sinners and tax collectors, touching the unclean, caring for the outcast. Jesus' job description for a shepherd, it doesn't exclude or discriminate. He doesn't say... I lay down my life for this group of sheep or that group of sheep or for some of the sheep. What does Jesus say? I lay my, I lay down my life for the sheep. It doesn't matter if they are big horned or no horned sheep. It doesn't matter if they're big nose or black bellied or black nose or white furred sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
Oh, but Jesus, we are the only sheep in your fold, right? No. In verse 16, Jesus goes on and he says, I have other sheep that don't belong to this sheep pen or fold. And I must lead them to. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is hard news to hear for those who have courageously followed Jesus, who have come forth, who have identified as the church and have been persecuted because of their allegiance to Jesus. And then they're told by the good shepherd, you have other sheep that don't belong to this fold, but they are part of your fold. Come on. I don't care if they listen to your voice. Jesus, his voice extends beyond the bounds of this congregation. Jesus has other sheep that don't belong to this fold. We come here on Sunday mornings and we come here for worship to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit, to hear more intently Christ speaking to us and guiding us and revealing his truth to us. But might Jesus be out in the world speaking to others whom we don't know, but he knows. Amen? In this jolting word from Jesus about sheep who belong to another fold, it also serves as a reminder for us that it doesn't matter whether we join in the seeking and the searching as the shepherd for the expansive flock, but it is God that continues to be on a search, continues to seek out the sheep always and forever. Amen? Now listen, I'm, I told you two weeks ago, I'm not a mechanic, right? I'm a what? Listen, some of you were paying attention two weeks ago. That's great. And this week, I want to tell you that I'm not a shepherd. I'm a... I'm not a shepherd. Okay? And as I've heard, as being a pastor for almost a decade plus now, some say that, no, 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 pastor, you are a shepherd. You are the shepherd of the flock. Have you said that to former pastors before? Well, I want to tell you that that's not true. There is only one shepherd, and he is the good shepherd. Amen? We, as your pastors, are the sheepdogs, okay? The sheepdogs. And the role of a sheepdog is to focus so much on the mind and the desires of the shepherd and the flock at the same time to stay so in tune with the desires of the shepherd that we're about to know where he is calling us to go and do next. We're able to understand what the flock is about to do. Are they going to turn left or are they going to turn right? we got to poke and prod them, get them back on the right path. And over time, I've had these conversations, whether you call me a pastor or a sheepdog, which, by the way, I'm going to start writing all of my emails, sheepdog Jeff, at the conclusion of them. Okay? And uh, I found out over the past couple of years from literal sheep herders or shepherds, both here in the States and over in the Holy Land, that when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep, it was quite literal. At night, in order to protect the flock, Jesus or the good shepherd or the shepherd would lay down against the opening of the fence to protect the sheep from those huntress animals like wolves and and turtles and crocodiles, those things that could take away the sheep. And in daytime, it was the shepherd who was standing in between the huntress animals and the sheep. The shepherd put themselves in harm's way in order to protect the flock. It's not something a hired hand would do for any amount of money. Our gospel goes on to say that there's a hired hand who sees the wolves and the predators coming and they book it. They run for the hills, leaving the sheep to fend for themselves. 
against the wolves, against the animals, against the crocodiles even. And the the sheep are snatched up. They're scattered. Jesus, in this gospel lesson, isn't negating the occupation of the hired hand. Instead, he is shedding light on the differing levels of care and the amount of love showed by the shepherd and shown by the hired hand. There's a lacking shown by the hired hand. But essentially, they have the same jobs. And there is a differing level of expectation, a differing level of value and worthiness that's placed upon their shoulders. For the hired hand, they could just leave, right? Why do they care? It's not their flock. Why do they care? They're only in it for the money. The sheep are not theirs. But for the shepherd, the good shepherd, the sheep are their livelihood. If they die, if the sheep die, they die. There's a heightened sense of care and love and responsibility for the shepherd towards their flock. And essentially, they're the leaders of the pack, intimately growing with each sheep, coming to a greater understanding of the worthy, worthiness of each individual sheep. And a lot can be said about appearances, the amount of value and love and care and responsibility and worth. And that can all be shown through our appearances. I can always hear my dad in the back of my head, his oftentimes quite demanding catchphrase, got to make it look good. Can we say that together? Got to make it look good. From stocking apples on the shelves to landscaping out front of the market and restaurant, it was all about appearances. And the thought of my dad was that if it didn't look good, people wouldn't come. Why would the trash can be full in front of the bakery and then people are going to stop to get a bear claw? Would you stop to get a bear claw if the trash was full in front of a bakery? What if apples were slouching over on the shelves? Would you stop and get a peck of apples? No, you'd think that they were bruised, right? And so during the summer and the late fall, we would hire more people to come and help us on the farm. And for these 10 weeks, we hired about 50 extra people during that time to accommodate for the 75,000 plus people that would come on the weekends during the fall season. And one fall, there was this guy, let's call him Brad, maybe that's his name, maybe it's not, but he was sent out by my dad to the front of the apple house in order to clean up some straw bales that had broken open. And so my dad told Brad, go and grab a shovel and go and grab a broom and and clean it up, make it look good. And so Brad went out there and then he comes back inside, it's been nearly two hours and my dad says to Brad, did you make it look good? Sure did, Brad said. A couple minutes later, my dad walked up the stairs of the packing room out to the front of the bakery. And guess what? There's still a mess. The straw bales are still everywhere, flying around, going out there. My dad was going to check on the quality control, and there was still a mess. And he called to Brad, and he said, what have you been doing for the past two hours? Well, this this lady needed help. I needed to do this. I needed to do that. I got sidetracked. Okay, my dad said. Well, go get the broom and the shovel and clean it up for real this time. And so Brad did. He went out front, shovel and broom in hand. Another two hours go by. It's about 6 p.m. and the, the market and the bakery and the restaurant are all about to close. And so my dad and I go out front and we see... Next to the window in the front of the apple house, the shovel and the broom with a post-it note on it. And it says, I quit. Sign Brad. My dad looked over to me and he said, well, Jeff, make it look good. (laughs) There were many times that I was stuck with the work 
of the hired hand because of the lack of worth and value and love and care and responsibility of the hired hands. And the same is true for our gospel. Jesus says the good shepherd is the one who devotes their entire lives to the tending and the caring of the flocks as a whole, unlike that of the hired hand. A shepherd, a good shepherd, is the one who gives and does not take, the one who gives value to life instead of taking it away. The good shepherd knows their own, and the sheep come to find shelter and safety and security in his presence. The good shepherd is the one who is up in the middle of the night when there's danger lurking. The one who knows us as his sheep intimately and thoroughly and individually. And as St. Augustine wrote in his confessions, God, the good shepherd, loves each of us all as if there was only one of us to love. It's not only that Jesus knows us and that we know Jesus, but we know him as one who gives up his life for us. It's not only that Jesus feeds us and protects us and guides us from harm, but that he loves us even to the point of self-sacrifice. Jesus is the one who on the cross loves the sheep even unto death. My friends, God is always with us. God is the good shepherd, comforting us, assuring us, guiding us, leading us, protecting us, helping us to find respite and rest. And even though we might be walking through the darkest valleys, God is still there. Amen? A little bit ago, I mentioned how there is a literal protection side from the good shepherd. There's another literal facet that I want to share with you this morning. When you hear the words of the 23rd Psalm, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing because you are with me. In the Holy Land in Israel, there is quite a literal valley that runs parallel from the Jordan River up to the southern Judean desert. And at some points throughout the summer, this valley, literally a valley of the shadow, gets upwards of 104 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's not only hot and humid, but it's also quite dangerous. The road or the path or the valley made that shortcut between Jerusalem and Jericho. It's what the Good Samaritan parable mentions. On this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, the valley of the shadow, there is evil and there is darkness and there is heat and humidity. But you know what else there is? Green grass and still waters. This road is the valley and is the comparison of our lives. Sometimes we are in the valley of the shadow and sometimes we are near the still waters that comfort us. Sometimes we are near that lush green grass, but sometimes we are going through whatever crap it is. But the question is this, who are we following? Are we following ourselves or are we following the hired hand? Are we following the good shepherd even? Jesus said, I know my sheep and I will lead them out. He continues on. He says, I have brought them all together and I will go ahead of them. The sheep follow me because they know my voice. They won't follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they don't know his voice. There are so many voices that are calling our names and begging for our attention. But what voices do we choose to listen to? Which voices do we choose to believe? What voices do we choose to regard as truth? And which ones do we choose to regard as false? Do we listen to the voices that feed into our anxiety and fear? Or do we listen to the voices that give us hope in the middle of our fear and anxiety? 
I'm certain that today and every day there are voices that are calling your name and even mine. Voices that sound wise and trustworthy and well-informed. Voices that are beckoning and alluring and inviting us. But do you know which voice you can trust with your life? The voice of the stranger, the hired hand, or the good shepherd? Who are the strangers and hired hands in your life? Trying to tear you down and lead you astray. As we come here this morning, we come to hear the voice of the good shepherd and to be a part of his flock. And my friends, as we have come this day, we have come to rest in the stillness and quiet, the lush, beautiful green grass and the still waters that restore our soul and give us hope and peace and life. The psalm of the the 23rd Psalm ends by saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is constantly pursuing after us again and again, constantly showing us goodness and mercy and calling us to be people of goodness and mercy and leave it wherever we go, allowing for the goodness and mercy to not only be shared with us, but then to share it with others as we follow the Good Shepherd. So as we go from this place, may we go out into the world to share the goodness and mercy and the love of the good shepherd, not of the hired hand. The good shepherd will not rest until everyone hears his voice and is safe in the fold. Thanks be to God for the, for the good shepherd that pursues after us again and again. Thanks be to God for Jesus who is our good shepherd and thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit that beckons us and invites us and unifies us as one flock. Amen. In this season of Lent, as we gather, we are invited to commit and recommit ourselves again and again to God, to be one of his disciples, to follow Jesus in the ways of life in general, and to follow and be a part of his flock and his fold. And so this morning, as we join in our time of prayer, I want to invite you to do that. Commit, recommit yourself to following in the path of discipleship. Recommit and commit yourself to following Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. And as we do that, we will conclude in our time of praying for God's will. God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.